Church family, you're finding the book of 1 John. 1 John chapter 2, we'll begin to read in verse 3 this morning. I want to speak to you on this subject, counterfeit Christianity. Counterfeit Christianity, 1 John chapter 2, we'll begin to read in verse 3. Won't you stand with me, all those that can and are able, in honor and in reverence for the reading of God's Word. We're in 1 John chapter 2, begin to read in verse 3. The Bible says these words. Now by this, we know that we know Him, if... We keep his commandments. He who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments is a liar. The truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Brethren, I write to you no command. I write to you. No new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Let's pray together. Father, we ask that your Spirit would speak to us today, challenge us. Again, God, I pray in the most simplest way I can, Lord, if there's one here among us who's never been saved from the penalty of sin that rests upon them today. God, we pray that You will convict them. You will help them to see their need for you. And they'll turn and surrender their life to Jesus Christ today. God, I pray if there's one in our midst that thinks they're saved because they're basing that on a profession they made at one time that they never really meant. Maybe they joined a church and they think that that makes them right with you. Maybe it's because their family's always been involved in church and they think that makes them right with you. Father, I pray from your word today you will show us again marks that will be upon the lives of a genuine, born-again person who has turned from sin and trusted you to be Lord of their life. God, I pray as we come to the invitation, if that person recognizes that today, Lord, I pray they'll spit their pride out. God, I pray that in sincerity and truth, they'll humble themselves before you today and choose Jesus to be Lord of their life. Bless this time. Help us, God, I pray. It's in Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Now I invite you to be seated. You know, there didn't uh, used to be a lot of ways to, uh, to tell if a, uh, a U.S. dollar was a counterfeit or not. To the trained eye, there was. You know, tellers, people that work in banks, they go through uh, training. And uh, they'll handle authentic U.S. currency for just hours and days. They'll just continue because it's really not paper, it's fabric, and it has a feeling to it. And they just continue to count till after till after till after till after till of real authentic U.S. currency. And then in training sometimes, they'll slip in a counterfeit bill. And immediately, because they've handled what is real so much, they'll be able to detect the fake. Well, the government helped in that is technology advanced and really it just became technology really for the bad guys to cheat more. The government began to do some things. You'll remember some of those first watermarks. We began, now you may not see many uh, Benjamins, but when you would see uh, a $100 bill, 
they began to look different than the other bills in years past. And there were things the government was doing to the, to the bills to make them uh, detectable if they were counterfeit. They would put watermarks on there. There was color-shifting ink. You could twist the bill in a certain way, and the, the ink would shift. Uh, there was a security thread that ran through the dead center, uh, that runs through the dead center of the bill, uh, the 3D ribbon, uh, and then uh, the serial numbers. That are, those are there to help be able to track what is genuine and what is not. Well, friend, just like authentic U.S. currency, the born-again child of God is going to have upon their lives indelible traits. You can't manufacture them on your own. They can only be there through the presence of the Holy Spirit who puts it there when you turn from sin and trust Christ. They're traits that prove the Spirit of God lives in us. And I'm telling you, on the authority of God's Word, without these, someone who professes to be a Christian is nothing more than a counterfeit. And I'm telling you, here in the Deep South, I, churches are full of these people. They, they base their eternal destination on religion, on affiliation, on a profession that their heart never meant, they never really intended to turn from sin and trust Christ to be Lord of their life. And because of that, friend, they've never been born again. So John, again, is writing a letter to share with how we can have fellowship with God, to have things in common with Him. Why? Because all people are born separated from God. Isaiah 59, 2 says, Your sin has separated you from God. And sin something that all people share. Romans 3, 23 says, For all have sinned. And we're all born with a sin nature. And if someone dies according to the Word of God without having that sin debt paid for, and we can't pay for it ourselves, someone has to pay for it for us, and that's what Jesus Christ did. That's why Christ died on the cross, to take my place and to take your place. And the Bible says when we repent of sin, we turn and we trust Jesus to be Lord of our life based on his death and his resurrection. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10 and verse 13, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That's what it means to be born again, to have a spiritual birth. And when you have that, then you're able to have fellowship with God. And John says these are some things that are going to be in your life. But we're going to look at it more from the sense of the counterfeit, things that are absent. Well, what is it that brands someone a counterfeit Christian? That is, they say, oh, yeah, I've been born again. I've got a relationship with God. Well, what brands them a counterfeit? Why would God call them that? Well, first off, there'll be an absence of obedience in their life, an absence of obedience. Look at verse number 3 again. The Bible says, now by this, very clear. He says, here's, here's a surefire way. Now by this, we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. We know him, that is, we know him personally. Not just know about him. Again, everybody in the deep south knows who Jesus Christ is. The question is, do you know him personally? And remember, naturally as we're born, sin separates us from God because he's holy and we're not. And so someone says, I, I know God personally. Look at verse number four. He who says, hey, I know him. I, I know God through a personal relationship. Well, here's, here's an, an evidence that you do. Now, this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. So one of the sure Fire ways to identify that someone has been born again is that there is a desire, but not only a desire, there is action of being a doer of the Word of God. Not just a hearer, James 1 says, and thereby deceiving yourselves 
by that. And friend, I want to remind you again, you can't keep what you don't know. And that's the importance of Bible study. I don't want to get off point, but I just want to encourage the church again. You can't begin to obey the Word of God if you don't, if you don't know it. And so those four words that help guide us in Bible study are know, stow, show, and sow. We have to know God's Word. We stow God's Word in our heart. Once we have it, we have to show it. That's obedience. And then as we obey it with our lives and with our lips, we sow it into the hearts and lives of other people. He says, so you're going you're to be a keeper. You're going to stow God's Word in your heart, and then you're going to show God's Word. You're, you're going to be obedient. By this we know that we know Him if we keep His commandments. To stow God's Word is to literally to deposit it in our hearts. Just like when you get your check, and I guess most everything now is electronic, but when you used to get your check, and you would go down to the bank, and you'd sit in line, and you would drive up, and you hoped you were nice enough they'd give you a sucker when you drove away. But when you would, you would deposit those funds into your account. Well, friends, a child of God, each morning and throughout the day as you study God's Word, you're depositing, you're stowing God's Word in your heart. And there's a purpose for that. It's just not so that he who has the most Bible verses you know, wins a prize in eternity. It's Psalm 119, verse 11. Your word have I hidden in my heart. Literally treasured it. Your word have I hidden in my heart that I may not sin against you. We're hiding it in our hearts so that it will be there so that we can use it and we can show it. We shared this verse in detail on Wednesday night. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 says, Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Now here it is. In all your ways acknowledge him and then he will direct your paths. What does that mean, in all your ways acknowledging him? It means that everything that I think, speak, act, and do, I do it in accordance with God's will and with God's word. I'm always obeying the word of God. I'm always obeying the will of God. The word keeps us and it directs us. So we know his word and we stow his word. Uh, in John chapter 14 and verse number 20, uh, Jesus says this, he said, at that day you will know that in, I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Listen, he who has my commandments, Jesus says, that is, he who's received them, he who, who has heard my word from my mouth, for these individuals in the book of John, but for us that we've read the word of God, we've studied the word of God, we've heard the word of God, and he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. And then Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, verse 22, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Now listen, Jesus said, this is how I'm going to show myself to the world. I'm going to be in heaven. You're going to be here. He says, this is how I'm going to show myself to the world. Verse 23, Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Jesus says, you, I manifest myself to the world when you obey my word. People see Christ in us and Christ living through us. Verse 31, uh, Jesus really simplifies it again, but that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, so I do. He says, enough talk. Arise, let us go from here. And friends, sooner or later, you can talk the Bible to death. It doesn't do you any good unless you put it into shoe leather. 
So one of the surefire evidences that you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ is you are a doer of the Word of God in all things. There's no parts, there's no doctrine, there's no verses that you'll say, well, I obey 99%, but I don't do that. Then you're not a doer of all the Word of God. It's a heart that willingly desires to do that. Uh, again, verse number 4, John says, He who says, I know him, I have a personal relationship with him, and does not keep his commandments... Friend, you can't mince words about this. John says he's a liar. He says, and the truth is not in him. He says there's going to be evidence. And the evidence is that you you desire to obey the Word of God and you do keep the Word of God. And says if you don't do that, you're lying about your profession of faith. And friend, you can fool me, you can fool your spouse, you can fool your friends, you can fool your kids, kids, you can fool your parents. But I want to tell you something, you can't fool God. You I promise you, because I haven't touched many of them, you could probably trick me up pretty quick on a counterfeit $100 bill. But you take someone who works at the treasury, someone who helped design all of those things, you can't fool them. They know, friend, exactly what a counterfeit is. And I want you to hear me, friend. Living upon this earth, it's not about you trying to prove to somebody else that you're saved. What really matters is, does God know you're saved? Does God know you've been born again? Because he knows who is and he knows who isn't. And again, it's not about doing. It's not not about being. It's about whether or not you've ever repented and trusted Christ to be Lord of your life. And when the Holy Spirit comes to live within your heart, you're a new creature. You're going to have a new appetite and a new desire. And you're going to want to do God's Word. And therefore, because you love God and he's commanded us to do these things, you're going to do them. He says there's going to be evidence Uh, Look at verse number 5. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. That his sin doesn't separate us now because we've turned from that sin and we've trusted him to be Lord of our life. He has received us and spiritually we've been born again. 1 John uh, chapter 5 and verse number 13. Uh, John says, And these things I have written to you who believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. It says that you can know, verse 5, that you you are in Him. Colossians 3, 3, one of the greatest verses in all the Bible. When you turn from sin, you trust Christ. This is what Paul says it looks like. He says, for you died, and your life is hid with Christ in God. And so no longer, friend, does God see you and who you used to be. He only sees the righteousness of Christ resting on your life. Now, friend, that's good news this morning. In a world where the Middle East is on fire, in a world where our country is absolutely turned upside down and looks nothing like our forefathers envisioned it to be and purposed it to be, friend, I'm so glad that there's a truth that you can turn from sin, trust Christ to be Lord of your life. And God doesn't see the wicked man or woman you used to be. He only sees the righteousness of his son, Jesus Christ. It's all through a personal saving relationship with him. But there's going to be evidence that it's real. And one of the evidences, John says, is we're going to be a doer of God's word. Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 17 says this, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. These are contrary to one another. We're born with a human nature. We're born with a sin nature. And that sin nature, friend, is being on one thing, sin. Let me tell you something. When a kid's little and tells, them to be, you know, and tells a lie, 
No one taught them how to be a liar. They're born a liar. You've got to teach them to tell the truth. That's the flesh. But when someone turns to sin and trusts God, now they have a new nature in Jesus Christ. But the old man's always going to be there. The Apostle Paul's saying there's always going to be a striving. The flesh says follow the world. The Spirit says follow God. And so they're, they're contrary to one another. But Paul continues on and says, And those who are Christ, we crucify the flesh with its passions and its desires. It is daily we have to say, I don't want to be that person. I don't want that person anymore. I only want to be who I am in Jesus Christ. And listen to me, friend. The only way you can be that person is to obey the Word of God. For the Word of God to be reality in your life. Let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. Ephesians 5.18 sums it up this way. Verse you have heard many, many times over the past many years. Be not drunk with wine or excess, but be ye filled with the Spirit. Be filled. Let the Spirit of God control your life. And my friend, when He does, you're going to be a doer of the Word because you're yielding yourself to Him for Him to do it through you. So the first surefire tell that someone is a counterfeit Christian is this. There's an absence of obedience to the Word of God. A willful absence. You may not say it out loud, but you'll think it. I don't care what the Bible says. I'm never doing that. I'm not willing to give up this, even though the Bible says I'm supposed to. Here's another one. Remember, it's not the sins of commission. It's also sins of things you're not doing you're supposed to do. Bible says I'm supposed to live on mission. I don't care. I'm not a people person. I'm not going to. Friend, you might want to check up on those things. Sins of commission, sins of omission, absence of obedience. Number two, there's also an absence of abiding, of abiding in Christ. Look what the Bible says in verse number six. He who says he abides in him ought also himself to walk just as he walked. That means when you abide in Jesus Christ, you remain. Listen, abiding is nothing more or less than a life of complete and absolute dependence upon Jesus Christ. When you abide in Christ daily, Philippians 2.5 is going to be reality. Let this mind that was in Christ Jesus be in you also. That means you're going to think like Christ, speak like Christ, and act like Christ. Why? Because we yield ourselves to Him. It's our desire. We realize we can't live a life that's pleasing to Him without Him living it through us. And He who says He abides in Him ought Himself also to walk just as He walked. That friend, friend it means this. There should be nothing in my life that Jesus wouldn't allow to have in His there should be nothing going in my ears that Jesus wouldn't allow to go into his. There should be nothing passing through my eyes that Jesus wouldn't allow to pass through his. I shouldn't be somewhere that Jesus wouldn't be. If I'm abiding in Christ, then I ought to walk, verse 6 says, just as he walked. Christ spoke of it this way in an illustration. In, in John chapter 15, the, the vine and the branches. Verse number 4, he says, Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Now, here it is. Listen, he says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Now, this is a person that says they've turned from sin and trusted Christ. They're a disciple. I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. And the disciple that's abiding in Christ, they realize that. They realize I can never live a life that's pleasing to God on my own. I can't be religious enough. I can't be good enough. There's never enough doing I can do. 
I'm helplessly and hopelessly dependent upon Jesus Christ for all things. That's what abiding looks like. The life of the vine flows through the branch. That's what abiding looks like, and then fruit is produced. You have the mind of Christ to think, speak, and act like Christ because you have relinquished your life to Jesus Christ, and you're dependent upon him. And you don't take it back. You know, we, we use the, the locked door illustration in the house from time to time. But that means you haven't changed the locks. You know, when you got saved, you said you trusted Christ to be Lord of your life. You gave all of your life to Christ, every room in the house of your life, as it were. But now all of a sudden you've come back and you, you've changed the locks on a few doors. Whatever those, and, and, and usually it has to do with commands. To do or not to do. You say, well, I know better in this area, or we, we know better in this area, so we're not going to trust Christ in that. Oh, I need him when things aren't going well for the doctor, and I need him for my finances, but I've got this under control. Then you're not abiding in Christ. The disciple that abides in Christ realizes, friend, they can't even draw their next breath unless God allowed it. We're completely, helplessly and hopefully dependent upon him. Complete and absolute dependence. And this is what abiding looks like. Listen to me. The successful Christian life. Are you listening? Let me ask one more time. Are you listening? The successful Christian life is not you living for Jesus. It's you abiding in Christ and Him living through you the life that He wants to. You're simply daily and at all times in every way yielding yourself to Christ. You want His will and His ways to be done through you at all times. One of the greatest Christians that ever lived, the Apostle Paul said it this way in Galatians chapter 2 and verse number 20. Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. Paul came to a place in Acts chapter 9. He didn't, his name was Saul to begin with, remember? He was persecuting the church, persecuting Christians. Paul would have been right in the midst of all that's in Jerusalem causing havoc today against the church. That's what, that's what Saul was doing. But he had a head-on collision with Jesus Christ. And he didn't want that life anymore. And so he turned from sin. He trusted Christ to be Lord of his life. But daily, as Paul woke up, Paul would crucify the old man. He says, I don't want to be who I used to be. I don't want to be who I am without Jesus Christ. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Listen, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What was Paul saying? You go through the book of Acts, you see all the things that the Apostle Paul accomplished. You, you read the letters that the Holy Spirit wrote through him to churches who needed discipling. What Paul says right here is this. I didn't do any of that. He said, I just yielded myself to God, and he did it through me. So the Bible says, friend, if, if you've really been born again, if you are a genuine, authentic, saved by grace, going to heaven, not to hell, Christian, one of the sure marks upon your life is this. You abide in Jesus Christ every day. You willfully yield yourself to Him because you are helplessly and hopelessly dependent upon Jesus Christ. You will, you'll abide. Not only that, so there's an absence of obedience, there's an absence of abiding, but the third mark of a counterfeit's this. Stands out, John says, there's an absence of love. Look what the Bible says in verse number 7. 
of our text. He says, Brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment, which you have heard from the beginning. He says, it's not new, but it would be new if anybody live it out. He says, but it's really old. It's an old commandment, which you have heard from the beginning. Now, those who were reared up in the Judaic faith, they would have known this. From Deuteronomy 6, 5, Leviticus 19, uh, and verse number uh, 15, Jesus uh, combined these as he began to share in Mark chapter 12. But continue with the verse. He says, I write no new commandment. You've been an old commandment, which you've had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. And what it is, Jesus put it together in Mark chapter 12, verses 30 through 31. And this is what those two combined verses from Deuteronomy 6 and Leviticus 19 say. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's the first commandment. That is, I'm to love the Lord God. He's to be priority one in my life. That means I'm to offer all my affection, all my dedication, all to him. And the second command is like unto it is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And so he breaks this down in three, into three parts. So first off, love's going to be a priority in my life. I'm going to love God first. He's my first focus. And then the overflow, because it's a spiritual fruit, Galatians 5 says, is that I'm going to love the brethren. I'm going to love other people, people who are unlovable. I'll tell you something, friend. I don't like that there are people that fired rockets into Israel yesterday unprovoked. But I love those people's souls, and I'd love to see them saved. I'd love to see them. I was reading the news uh, this morning uh, about a man whose son had shot himself in the head, and he waited many minutes before he ever called an ambulance. I don't like what that guy did, but I love his soul, and I'd love to see him saved. How can you love people who do unlovable things? Listen to me. Christ loves them through you. He helps you to have a broken heart. You say, well, that, that, that makes no sense. Exactly, friend. It's a supernatural work of God. Love's going to be a priority in your life. It stands at the absolute top. John chapter 13, <clears throat> verse number 34, Jesus says this, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Now listen to verse 35. Friend, this is straight from the mouth of Jesus Christ. By this all will know that you are my disciples. Remember, a disciple is a learner and a follower. Jesus says, by this you will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Doesn't mean we have to like the things that people do to us. But we can love them. And we can pray for them. And we can desire God's best for them. And we can forgive them. Even if they've wronged us. Remember, forgiveness, this may help somebody this morning. You, you have suffered a great injustice. Someone did something so terrible, so mean to you. Listen to me, friend. You can forgive that person. Forgiveness is not approval. Do you hear that this morning? Forgiveness is not approval. If you forgive someone, it doesn't mean you approve of what they did. But you don't have to continue to be a victim of the hate that you have, the bitterness that you have for that person. Christ can help you forget. Friend, listen, if God forgave us, we can forgive someone else. So I just can't do it. You make God a liar. Philippians 4.13 says, for, for I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You can forgive that person because Christ will help you 
to do it. And so love is to be a priority in our life. First uh, John chapter 3 and verse number 14 uh, says these words, We know that we have passed from death to life, that's spiritually. This is an assurance. He said, here's one, that, here's one of the sure tell proofs that you're not a counterfeit. And again, a counterfeit, friend, is this. Someone who just says they're saved, they're religious, member of the church, uh, long religious pedigree. Here in the South, just a good old Baptist. Denominational tag. All right? If they died, their family would put in their obituary, they were of the Baptist faith. That's what they would write. He says, well, we can know that we're not that person, but we're really somebody that's passed from spiritual death to life because we love the brethren. And John goes on. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Doesn't abide in Christ. They don't remain in Christ. They remain spiritually lost. Doesn't matter what they say. Doesn't matter what their family tells. Now, I remember when you prayed. I remember. Doesn't matter. The Bible says, friend, there's genuine proof that someone really has spiritual life in them. And one of those proofs is there's going to be love for other people because Christ loves through us. It's, it's one of the first things we do as Christians because of new life and new nature. It just, it just happens. It begins to develop and grow in us. Romans chapter 5, verse 5 says this, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. That is, when you trust Christ, friend, not only do you escape the judgment of death, which is a great gift from God's salvation, but you get a gift while you live here on earth. And it's really not a gift, it's a person. It's the Holy Spirit of God. He comes to indwell our hearts, to help us, to guide us, to illuminate, to help protect us and prevent us from walking into temptation. But one of the things he does is this. He begins to pour the love of God into us. And people you used to hate, all of a sudden now you're tender toward. Parts of people's lives you didn't care about because you were so self-focused. Now you begin to focus on other people and don't ever really think about yourself. How does that happen? Because the love of God's been poured out in our hearts. Absence of love, absence of salvation. It's, it's a priority in our life. But not only is it a priority, there's going to be a pattern. And we've been given a pattern. Look at verse number 8 of 1 John 2. He said, again, a new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and then in you. Because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. He says, it's in him and therefore, it's going to be in you. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. God demonstrates his love toward us in this way. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Well, that love begins to resonate in our hearts and to remain in our hearts and to be a part of our hearts when we've genuinely been born again. But God demonstrates his love toward us in this way. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. My friend, you're going to demonstrate that same love to other people. Doesn't matter. Well, you don't understand. They haven't, they've been mean to me and they've done. Doesn't matter. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We're going to give our lives for other people. Not on the cross, but in a life of service, a life of surrender. We're always we're loving our neighbor as ourselves. It's the priority. We love God first, we love others, and you're always last. Jesus, others, you. 
It's, it's, it's the order of life when you really have trusted Christ. It's, it's a pattern. Jesus lived this life of love in a body of flesh, friend, and you can too. John chapter 13 and verse number 34. Again, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, you also love one another. You say, I can't. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's just whether you're willing to yield yourself to do it or not. But friend, I want you to understand this. When you've really been born again, it's not going to be something somebody's got to talk you into. You don't have to wheel yourself up into it every day. It's something spiritually that just begins to happen. Has anybody ever seen a farmer put seeds in the ground and then get over the top of the rows and talk to them every day and say, now, now boys, come on. I want to see some germination in here. Everybody give me a G, G, give me an E. Give me an R. They're not trying to talk the seeds into germinating and growing. Listen, God puts something in the seed, and when the seed gets in the right soil, it's going to grow. And the Bible teaches, friend, when the Holy Spirit of God lives within your heart. You hear me this morning. When the Holy Spirit of God really lives within your heart, you're going to have love for other people. doesn't mean you have to like the things they do. It doesn't mean you approve of their culture. But you're going to love their soul. You're going to want to see them saved. It just happens. It's, and, and it was a pattern that was in Christ's life, and it's going to be in ours. 1 John chapter 4 and verse number 17. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may with boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in the world. As Jesus is, so are we. Not as Jesus was, but as he is, so are we. If you've really been born again, those traits are going to be there. It's a priority, but then there's, there's a pattern. Just as Christ loves, we will love. So there's priority, there's pattern, but then there's participation. Friend, you can't have fellowship with God and be out of fellowship with a brother and sister in Christ. Now, this is, I want to bottom line it for you. Hear me this morning, listen to me. If constantly it is on your mind and in your vocabulary, habitually, present continuous, present continuous, I hate them. I hate this person. I hate her. I hate my mother-in-law. I hate them. I hate this. Friend, the Bible says, you hear me this morning, you have never been born again. I don't care who in your family tries to talk you into it, who tries to will you and remind you of how you cried and what they've seen. The Bible says, my friend, if hate abides in your heart for other people, you're not in the light, you're in darkness. doesn't mean, friend, you struggle with something, but it's present, continuous hate. I hate them. You've never been saved. You're a counterfeit. My friend, you can fool me, you can fool your family, I'm telling you something, friend. In the last days, God knows who belongs to him and who does not. So there's, there's, there's participation. You're, you're going to actively love other people. Verse 11, but he who hates his brother, look at it. Don't take my friend. I don't have a word to share with you. God didn't send me to this church, friend, to share with you my opinion because my opinion is as worthless as yours is. He sent me here to tell you what he has to say. So look at verse number 11. The Bible says, but he who hates his brother is present continuous. Who hates his brother 
is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. You're stumbling around in this false profession of Christ because you come from a long line of Baptists. And you may have some of the godliest parents and grandparents here to ever been, but you're just stumbling around in darkness, blinded. And you're wasting the opportunity to be saved. Hate consumes you. And so the surefire marks for that you've really been born again are obedience to the Word of God. Abiding in Christ and love. You know, only the U.S. Mint can authentically and genuinely place those marks on U.S. currency. They made it that way. Crooks cannot authentically replicate a $100 bill. No matter how they try. They're smart, but the government's been smarter. And listen to me, my friend. You can't fake those marks on your life. Only the presence of the Holy Spirit can do that. That we've talked about this morning. And so when the Holy Spirit is in you, not only is He producing those things, but something first happened before that. Listen to me. You were born again. You passed from death to life. I want to tell you something. That's the most important decision you're ever going to make. You hear this morning, I want you to hear me. The most important decision you're ever going to make in your life is not what job you're going to have, who you're going to marry, where you're going to retire. Let's talk about religious things. Not what translation of the Bible you're going to read out of. Not what church you're going to join. Not whether you're going to go on a summer mission trip, get in a small group, you know, have community with people. Those are good things. But it's not the most important decision you're ever going to make in your life. The most important decision you're ever going to make in your life is what you do with Jesus Christ. Because again, we're born into this world separated from God. The Bible says, because of sin. You say, well, what's the big deal about that? Romans 6.23 says this, the wages of sin is death. The Bible says the person who dies without Jesus Christ Carrying their bundle of sin into eternity will be separated from God in a place called hell. For all eternity. But God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever would believe in Him, that is, turn from sin and trust Jesus to be Lord of their life, whoever believed in Him would not perish, not spend eternity in hell, but rather would have everlasting life. And what solely determines where you spend eternity, friend, there's a heaven and there's a hell. But you hear me, you can't stay here. The book of Hebrews says it's appointed to man wants to die and then the judgment. It's appointed to man wants to die and then the judgment. I don't care how healthy you feel today. Sooner or later in this life, friend, you're going to draw your last breath one way or another. And at that very moment, you'll be more alive than you've ever been, either in heaven or in hell. And solely alone, the Word of God says, not Greenwood Baptist Church, not Baptist, not Southern Baptist, not Independent Baptist, not Pentecostals, not Methodist, not any other group. What the Word of God says determines where you spend eternity is whether you ever turn from sin and you trusted Jesus to be Lord of your life. Now, I don't care what sin. You, the devil may have talked to you and said, there's no way God would ever forgive you. Friend, the Bible says, who ever calls upon the name of the Lord, will be saved. But you have to make the choice. 
to turn and receive Jesus Christ. I want to ask you a question this morning. If you've recognized through this word this morning, it's in the Bible, that you are not an authentic, genuine, born-again disciple of Jesus Christ. If you realize that, now listen to me. What is there in your life that you're holding on to that's worth going to hell over? What's, what's there in your life that's worth going to hell over? That somebody's going to find out you weren't saved? Or some sin that you think you've got to have now? There's nothing. I beg you today, friend, with a broken heart. I won't tell you why I beg. Because I love your soul. I don't want you to go to hell. I want you to know, friend, listen to me, friend. I was saved at an early age. But I didn't really fully commit my life to Christ. I, I, listen, I gave all of me I knew to give when I was a young boy. But there came a time in my life I got sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I gave everything I knew to give to Jesus Christ. Now, I want to stand here this morning and tell you this, friend. I am a satisfied customer. If I had a thousand lives to give, friend, I'd give every one of them to Jesus Christ. I'm telling you. It's not just eternal life, friend. It's life now. It's abundant life. It's the joy every day of walking with Jesus, talking with Jesus. And listen, knowing I can have a life that makes impact because it's not about me. It's about Him living through me. And He'll do that through you. He'll do it through your family. And church, He can do it through this church family. But it's about yielding. If you've never been saved, won't you turn and yield yourself to Jesus Christ today. Just give Him all of your life. Trust Him to be Lord of your life. And the Bible says if you'll call on Him in sincerity, He will forgive your sin. The Holy Spirit will come to live within your heart. And my friend, He'll give you eternal life and life more abundant now. But what you do in choosing determines whether you experience that or not. Don't leave here a fake and a fraud. You walk out those doors today being a genuine, 100% born-again believer because you turned from sin and trusted Christ. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. If the Spirit of God has convicted you that you're lost today, would you not trust Christ to be Lord of your life? He loves you. He died for you. He wants to save you. But you must choose to turn today and just by faith trust Him to be Lord of your life. Just give Him yourself. Just lay your life down at His feet. And my friend, the Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. What does it mean to call upon the name of the Lord? Romans 10, 9 and 10 says it this way. If you'll simply believe in your heart on the Lord Jesus Christ, that He died for you, that He rose again, and just confess that with your mouth to Him, you can do it silently. The Bible says you'll be saved. And so maybe just pray this prayer and mean it with all your heart. You've got to mean it with all It's got to be truthful from your heart. Pray just like this. God, forgive me of my sin. I admit my sin. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. I believe what the Bible says that he rose again three days later. And I turn from all the sin that's in my life to Jesus. I lay all of my life, all of me I know to give, I give to Jesus. I trust Him today to be Lord of my life. That's my confession.
Now head your bow.